Hello, I'm Leslie Greffel-Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. In this episode, I speak with Pace3Ls, Rob Veach, and Melanie Franco about preparing for your moot court experience. In this episode, we'll talk about oral advocacy and how to prepare for your 1L oral arguments. But we'll also get into participating in upper-level competitions. It's a lot to unpack. Let's get right into it. Okay. Thank you both, my former fellow stellar students. I'm sorry to see you graduate. <laughs> um, so I just remember back to that 1L year when you had to do oral arguments, and I know oral arguments are coming up for students. And I'm wondering what advice you would give students who are about to enter into. Actually, right now they're preparing. What advice mm-hmm. would you give them? Melanie? Well, first, I'd say take a deep breath. Um, <laughs> I remember being terrified preparing for it because I didn't like speaking in public, but it's really not as scary as you think because you know the material better than the judges do. So when you get in that room to argue, you're the expert. So whatever you say, the judges are going to to go with. So just remember that, that you've spent all semester working on this problem and um, you are prepared to argue it. So just keep that in mind so you try not to be too nervous about it. And and my biggest feedback would be practice as much as humanly possible. Writing the brief is one thing, but actually preparing for the oral argument is completely different. Don't be afraid to go up there and stumble over your words. That's the best practice because the more times you do it, the more comfortable you get on your feet, the more feedback you get, the more you can restructure it. So that way, when you do get into a room, as Melanie said, you're the expert and you're teaching everyone else. But the preparation that goes into beforehand is probably the most important aspect. All right. So a couple things on that. First of all, when you say prepare... Do you mean find a buddy to moot you, or do you mean stand in front of a mirror? What do you mean by preparing? Um, So first, I would say stand in front of a mirror, so that way you just get comfortable with your own voice. And then after that, don't just get one friend, but pick as many friends that have the availability to help you out. Because it's great that you have one friend that can hear you, but you need a wide variety of people to give you that feedback because if you can explain it to one friend, but you can't explain it to the other friend, you want to make sure you can explain it as thoroughly and as accurately to as many different people as possible because you don't know the types of judges that you're going to get. So can you like feed your parents some questions or people who are not lawyers or do you need people who understand what's going on? Like, did you find value, I should say, in asking non-lawyers to moot you? Yes, definitely. I would say go for both. Go at, moot with your friends in law school who know the law and then moot with your mom who doesn't know anything about law or your dad or your grandparents. Because the whole point of oral arguments is explaining it as clearly as possible. So if you know someone who knows absolutely nothing about law and you can make them understand the problem that you've been working on, then you'll be able to crush it during the oral arguments. I agree 100% with that. And I would actually probably start with the people that don't know the law. So that way you're working a little bit harder at the beginning as opposed to at the tail end when you're just trying to make sure that you have the right verbiage and stuff like that. And, you know, here's the thing. Even though the moot judges know law, they don't necessarily know the law on what they're studying. It may be that your moot court judges are a tax lawyer and a contracts lawyer and it's a criminal law issue. So the last time they saw criminal law was when they were in law school. So what lawyers know is how to ask the right questions, but 
I've said this before, you always know, you always know more about the topic than the judges. Did you, would you agree with that? 100%. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and you'll, you'll find that you may get judges to ask you to explain simple things about the law because of the fact that they're not experts on that area or that's been since law school that they tackled that issue. So be prepared to be able to succinctly explain the issue in a couple sentences so that if they ask you something that you think is really simple but is actually really helpful for them, you'll be able to do that without taking up too much of your time. All right, that makes sense. Because your job is to educate the judges, right? Mm -hmm. You want the judges to understand what you're... Explaining. Yeah, and in addition to that, there are certain techniques and certain things that you can do so that way you're effectively answering the question, but you're also tying them back into your roadmap, as our, as some of our professors have told us, to always have a roadmap of your argument. So you can effectively answer their question while bringing it back to actually what you're trying to talk about, so that way you're actually answering the question, but also making sure that you effectively like state what your position is. Makes sense, makes sense. But, you know, here's the thing as a law professor, and you can explain this to me. It always amazes me how much time student and effort students put into preparing for oral arguments vis-a-vis preparing for law school exam classes. Not, not the exams, but the classes, because the reality is that the stuff that we're teaching while you're prepping for your oral arguments is always going to be on the exam, right? And... Oral arguments generally are pass-fail or a very small part of your grade. And I feel like students are disproportionate in their allocation of time. What do you say to that? I mean, you can say yes. <laughs> no, I think that's accurate. I remember as a 1L taking into consideration that there wasn't being graded on the oral arguments. But I think what you should keep in mind is that this is practical experience that you'll use later on in your career. Just as much as preparing for classes and learning the law is important, being able to take that knowledge and apply it through the use of oral arguments will come very much in handy later on, especially if you want to go into litigation. So while you may not be getting graded on it, this is helping you prepare for your future. That's good advice. And not even just helping prepare you for your future, but helping you figure out what your actual passion is. Because I remember as a 1L, I kind of knew I wanted to do litigation on some level, but I had no idea what a moot argument was at all. So for me, it was a learning process, and I actually very much enjoy both trial and moot. So right now, like I'm actually preparing for a national evidence moot competition that's taking place on Thursday, and I didn't think I would ever like to do that had I not enjoyed the one L moot as much as I did. Well, that's interesting too. You bring up another point, which is it's not adversarial, right? So I think a lot of students go into this thinking that they get to be on law and order <laughs> and actually moot court. You have to be very composed and very even toned, right? I mean, yes. what were your, what, what, what expectations? I, that's, that's a good way to ask it. I guess what surprises were you met with when you actually walked into the moot court experience? I mean, how did it change your expectations? Well, it's very much not like a trial or like you would see on Law & Order. You're Because this is the appeals level, which I think people don't have much um, exposure to before they go to law school. And so in, in moot court, you're just arguing the law. You, you, as you said, you, you have to be composed and um, very straightforward. You're, not, you're still advocating for a client, mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily telling the story that you would at the trial level. So mm-hmm. there's less emotion. Um, so that was very surprising to me, I would say, of, of 
going into it thinking, oh, well, this is all about putting on a show with the law and explaining your, your, your case, but it, it's not. You're just arguing the law as it benefits your client. Um, and it's also in a panel, panel of judges as opposed to just one judge, which is also different. And tagging off that as well, um, when I learned in my first practices that I speak with my hands a lot. <laughs> I just corrected you I, for that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I realized that like it's, it's not 100% prim and proper. You don't have to stand up there robotic because you still can use some personality. It's all about effectively using your hand as opposed to just letting it go all over or effectively changing the tone of your voice and showing that passion. Just because you are behind a podium doesn't mean that you lose your personality 100%. There is a balance behind that. That's good advice. I, I used to teach legal writing, actually, and I remember the two things I would tell my students was, number one, hold the sides of the podium because that prevents you from using your hands a lot. And the other thing I would tell students is that if you don't know the answer to a question, it's okay to say, would you repeat the question, and then you can rethink it. However, funny story, one student once, after every single question, said, will you repeat the question? <laughs> I think you have to use it sparingly, but it is a good trick. But to go off that, if you don't know the answer, it is okay to say that you don't know the answer. A lot of a lot of moot is um, getting the judges to trust you because it is just you arguing the law for fifteen minutes or however long mm-hmm. you have, as opposed to an out several hours of a trial. So it's a very different experience with the judge. So if you don't know the answer and you tell that to the judge, they'll have more respect than if you try to make something up because they'll catch on to that. That's a really good point. Excellent point. And not only that, but like, especially when you are answering questions, of course, you always want to advocate for your position as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid to concede certain points. I'm not saying concede every point, but by showing that ability to work with the judges, you're actually able to still advocate for your client. But be very particular when you do concede a point, though, because you don't want to actually affect your case. How well do you have to know the cases that you cite in your brief? Very well. Extremely well. (laughs) Yeah, you should not cite a case, especially an oral argument, if you can't then answer the question of, well, what year was that decided? What court was that in? What was... What were some very important facts of it? You, while it's okay, while there are probably a lot of cases that you're working with, and it's probably okay not to know direct quotes or every single detail, you shouldn't cite something that you can at least roll off the very important information for. And one of the easiest ways to overcome some of those obstacles is when you do cite to the case, cite before the case, it came from the Fourth Circuit in 2014, this case. So that way you get all that information out there up front, but also know at least some of the facts that Melanie was talking about. Because more times than not, the first question you'll get after you say that case is, can you tell me about the facts and how is that distinguishable or how is that similar to what you're arguing? Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Any other advice you want to share with students? Just have fun. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was terrified going into the 1L mood. And then I got into it, and I loved it. I was the opposite of Rob. I didn't think that I wanted to do anything with litigation. And now I would love to. I, I would do appeal work any day of the week <laughs> on any kind of law. And if it wasn't for the 1L mood and, and actually enjoying it and taking the time to to not only prepare so that I felt comfortable, but also to learn from it. Um, It's just, it's a really important um, opportunity for you that you should take advantage of. 
Terrific. Rob? Echoing off that, remember to have fun. That's the most important thing. But also, don't short yourself. Remember, you still have to put in the work. Don't ever cut yourself short. Always try to try practice as much as humanly possible. Get as many friends. Talk to your parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nephews, cousins, whatever. Because that will, that will ultimately make you a stronger advocate. No pain, no gain. Let's take just a few seconds and talk about, once you're finished with Mood, what have been your experiences about um, competitions, upper-level programs, trial ad, any, just any thoughts on that? Well, Rob and I both took Advanced Appellate Advocacy the fall of our 2L year. Which is moot court in your second year, advanced. Well, that makes sense. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so if you advance in the 1L competition, you're then invited to take this advanced elective course, right. where you basically do the same thing that you did this semester, but more on steroids yeah you you learn a lot more you you become a better writer um and the competition is a little bit more intense and then um from there the top four of that competition get to argue in the grand moot which is usually in april which is actually this thursday Uh um and i had the opportunity of arguing in the grand moot last year which was in front of four federal judges which most people um, in law school don't get to say that they do. So right. if you don't take AAA, you don't get that opportunity. That's right. When, when I, I went to the University of Florida, and they actually, when we had the moot court, the grand moot, um, they had this Florida Supreme Court come. It was pretty cool. I wasn't oh, in it, awesome. but it was really amazing. Last year, one of the judges was from the Second Circuit. Wow. And um, it was it was great. Um I, I joke that I peaked at the Grand Moot, but um, I, it really was a really great experience for me. <laughs> That's great. And what about your trial ad stuff? Or are you just doing more Moot stuff? Um, so I'm actually in a position where this semester I was on a trial team, and two weeks later I had to turn around, and I'm actually going to go argue a Moot-style argument on Thursday. So you have that availability when you do become an upperclassman to get involved with the advocacy board. I'm also on the board at the school. I serve as the fundraising and alumni relations director. So they have me doing a lot of different things advocacy-related. But um, I've been on two trials. No three trial teams and one moot team so far. So I've seen the difference between just actual like trial work versus moot work. Trial work is a different animal and not to be confused with moot. It's still, you still put in a ton of work because you want to make sure that your witnesses are prepped. You know your facts cold. That is the same thing throughout. You always want to make sure that you know your facts cold and your uh, evidence cold in addition to your case law cold. Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. The person that is better prepared with the case law and better prepared with evidence will usually win. And with that, we have a trial advocacy class as well. That, yeah. um, and uh, every school does. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and I, even if you don't want to do litigation, even at that point, I still say you should still take it because I don't think I truly understood evidence until I had to apply it in trial ad and then again in a trial team. So um, as I said earlier, practical skills will really help you apply the law that you're learning in classes. So even if you don't want to do a team, taking trial ad is a really good opportunity as well. I still remember my trial ad problem. It was a car accident. So I agree with you. And I think it's also good. It's not just good for you. I think it helps you inform what you want to do career-wise. I also think it makes for a better interviewer because you have a little mm-hmm. more to talk about in, 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 than just like doctrinal classes. Skills classes really reinforce what you've learned you know, from doctrine. 
It's true. And that's the best way to put it is because your 1L year, you're just basically reading cases, trying to learn what the law and the concepts are. But it's when you do these simulation classes where you actually see it like in life. And that for me was just a huge eye opener and made me appreciate everything that I've done so far. And when I was in interviews for post-grad jobs, bringing up AAA, bringing up uh, the trial team I was on last semester, the moot court teams, it's, it's a good talking point because it not only shows your interests, um, like if you do specific teams, like I did an energy moot team two year, for two, two years, last yeah. year and this year, and that shows that I'm interested in energy law, but that I also can do oral arguments. So those add to the talking points during interviews as well. Terrific. That's great. Anything else you want to want to wish people good luck as they head off into their courtrooms? Um, absolutely. Best of luck. Remember to have fun with it. And the actual Oral Advocacy Board is hosting um, practices for everyone. So take advantage of that as well. well that's at this school. We have that, to... Oh, that's at this school. I, I know that other boards at other schools also do the same thing. Um, but don't hesitate. Reach out to your parents. Reach out to anyone that is willing to help you out. And you'll be surprised a lot of people are willing to help you out. Great. Great. Yeah, I echo that as well. Good luck. Have fun. And don't be afraid to reach out to other people. Every single 1L right now is probably worrying about this just as much as you are, so you're not alone. (laughs) Terrific. All right. Thank you both. This was wonderful. Thank you very much. So that's my discussion with students Melanie Franco and Ravich, who are about to graduate. They both have excelled in their mood court experience, and I think they gave some really great words. Once again, good luck to those of you who are going to go into your moot court experience this weekend. As always, we'd love it if you like us, rate us on on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. Thanks, as always, to www.bensound.com for the music. And you can reach us at laudafact at gmail.com or tweet us at laudafact. Enjoy your day.